Welcome to series four, episode 12 of the Prompted by Nature podcast. I hope you are doing well. And if you are in an area of the world, which let's face it, is probably most of the world right now, (laughs) experiencing some kind of heat and extreme heat as we are in here in the UK, um, I hope you're able to keep cool, hydrated, uh, not too panicky about the climate situation. Um, yeah, I just, I hope you're okay wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this. So before I get on to talk about the episode, I just wanted to give you the action point. So the action point is actually based on the episode because it includes or incorporates um, the community interest company that um, our guest founded and runs. Uh, It's called All The Elements and the work that my guest and her group are doing is incredible. So the action point for this week is to go over to their website www.allthelements.co and it's all in the show notes as it always is um, and have a little look around, have a look at the resource page, the resources pages, the directory and everything they're doing. It's it's a really inspiring collective. It's a really inspiring page and project. And yeah, go and have a look, get involved if um, what they do applies to you. You'll hear a lot more about it in the actual episode. So I won't say too much. But yeah, it's 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 all about um, increasing diverse, diversity in the outdoors in whatever way that looks. So yeah, go and have a look, find out about it, get involved um, if it applies to you. You can also find them on Instagram at all the elements underscore. Yeah, go have a look. Highly recommended. So onto the episode. Today I'm speaking with Saraya Abdel Hadi, who is an absolute powerhouse of creativity. Um, she's an award-winning writer, artist, she's an advocate for women and diversity in the UK outdoors, and she is very much interested in taking a holistic approach to making the world a better place, Um, and she writes a lot about sustainability, nature, adventure travel. She's also um, the Lonely Planet Sustainability Storyteller for 2021, which we talk about in the episode. And as I mentioned before, is the founder of All the Elements, which is a community working to increase diversity in the UK outdoors. Personally, for me, this was such a rich conversation. And honestly, if I had a little, I said this in the episode, I said in th- this in the conversation, um, if I had a little tick box or row of tick boxes of everything that I wanted the podcast to be when I set about creating it. This is the episode, this is one of the episodes that really um, includes all of that. You know, someone doing something to um, make the world a better place, creativity, like quite a deep dive into creativity and the part that nature plays in that. Yeah, it was it was great. It was it was such a lovely conversation to be a part of. Um, And Soraya was so giving with her time and her thoughts. Um, So I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, We talked about things like her journey into creativity, how she came to combine her love of writing with her love of nature and the outdoors. We talked about um, how she inspires and engages with her creativity through multiple mediums. Um, so interesting, like all the avenues that her creativity has taken. And it's actually inspired me a lot to kind of do more things that aren't just the kind of two or three things that I do creatively and kind of branch out a little bit. Um, she talks about how burnout inspired her to create more. 
and what working for a magazine taught her about her creativity, finding her voice through blogging. And actually, we talk about voice, it's in the title of the episode, we talk about um, voice and finding one's voice quite a lot in this episode. So if, like me, you're someone that kind of finds that quite challenging, I think you'll get a lot from this one. Whatever voice looks like to you, because it could be you're not a writer, but you are an artist or creative of some kind, and you're still trying to find that thing that is uniquely you, um, I think that's something that a lot of people can can um, can struggle with and find challenging. We talk about the power of storing te- storytelling. She tells us a little bit about all the elements and so much more. I think you're really going to like this one. And just a couple of recommendations for um, episodes that would accompany this one really well, which you know I like to do. And I won't give you such a long list as I did last week. Um, but Sheree Mack Um, who actually Soraya works with and mentions in the episode. So I spoke with Cherie way back in series one, episode 12. So go and have a listen to that if you get the chance. That was a really lovely conversation. And then the other one was my conversation in series three, episode eight with Chloe Valerie Harmsworth. We talked about nature inspired creativity quite a lot in that one as well. So yeah, two episodes that would go really well with this one. Um, If you want to pop off and have a little listen to those after you've listened to this one. Um, To find out more about Soraya and her work, you can go to uh, soraya.earth, www.soraya.earth or Soraya Earth on Twitter and Instagram. As I mentioned, All the Elements is also on um, Instagram, on the website. Um, And I highly recommend going and just seeing what she's doing because it's really interesting work. As always, I am on promptedbynature.co.uk, Instagram at prompted.by.nature, Twitter, Prompted X Nature, and Facebook, Prompted by Nature. On the website, as always, you can find links to the bookshop. You can find links to all of the upcoming um, events. I've got some events that I need to put up uh, that are kind of in the planning stages for the autumn. Um, So they will all go up there. My blog is up there, all of it. So anyway, I'll stop waffling on and I will let you listen to this fabulous conversation. Remember to listen into the writing prompt that will come on Tuesday. Happy listening. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. My name is Soraya and I am a writer, an artist, an activist and a founder of a non-profit called All the Elements, which is a network for people creating, well, creating change on diversity in the UK outdoors. Mm In a nutshell. There's so much in that, isn't there? Um, so we'll, I would really love to talk about the kind of creative side of things and the organising side of things. But just to start, um, I wondered if you could kind of just give a bit of background about yourself and your journey and how you, how you came to um, create in this way, how you came to organise in this way. Mm. So... I've always been outdoorsy and I think that comes from my grandparents, my mum. We were always going on walks as kids, um, bird watching. Oh, they're so bad at it because I'm the person, I still am like it in the family who they'd point out a bird to me and I'd be (laughs) the person being like, where, where? (laughs) And it's long gone. Um, 
I'm a horse rider. I started riding when I was five. So um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time on horses and around horses when I was younger. And um, I had my dog as well for 14 years. So I spent a lot of time walking him, being in in the outdoors with him, which is lovely. Um, I lost him just recently. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay still a bit raw um and uh yeah so kind of the outdoors has always been part of my life um I didn't really integrate it so much into my work and my career until I was a bit older um so I went to uni I studied law I hated it (laughs) I am a and I'm learning this more and more about myself I am a, a deeply um creative soul and I hate um I hate constraints and law does allow you to be creative if you're creative in that way um but I hated it when I studied it so I left and I well I graduated I'd like to point out I did get my law degree um but I left and I went to work at an equine hospital um as an assistant to the yard managers there which is a really interesting job Um, but I'd always written from when I was really young, um, it was my way of expressing myself. I remember when I was a really young, when I was in, uh, primary school, uh, the lady who ran the library said to me once, you're going to be a writer. (gasps) And I was so at the time, I didn't really realise the significance of it, but I, I was like, oh, thanks. You liked my story about ponies and magic. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was so, um, but I remember it now. I remember it now. And uh, I never kind of dreamt about doing that as a career, but it was very much like, what is going to be a really good career? And that's why I went down the law route. Mm. Um, but while I was studying my law degree, I had a blog, um, and I then when I was working at the Equine Hospital, I still had my blog, and we used to work with the. Uh, well, it's actually, or it was the UK best-selling equestrian monthly magazine, Horse and Rider, but it happened to be based really close to where the Equine Hospital was, where I worked. And so we would work with uh, the uh, deputy editor would come over and do articles. Mm. And one day a job became available at the magazine and my boss at the equine hospital, who was amazing, she still is amazing, um, put me forward for it and told me that I should apply. And so I applied. And I was fortunate enough to then start working at Horse and Rider magazine as a writer for, and I did that for four years. Um, And it was my dream job, really. It was like spending time with horses, beautiful horses, um, interviewing Olympians, which was amazing. Um, And just working with people who are so passionate about horses and the equestrian industry and so many different approaches and because of my personality I always ended up with like the slightly quirky features as well like I went and did horseback archery um, stunt riding and like all of these really like just cool fun things that you can also 
do with your horse essentially um so yeah and I loved it but after four years I started to realize that writing for a magazine actually is quite constraining in a lot of ways you have to write in a very specific way um everything that you write is goes through like four people before Mm. it then ends up being published and so you end up being kind of funneled down this route and then when you work in an area which is equestrian writing it's also actually incredibly narrow Mm. like I know I just talked about like some of the some of the edges (laughs) but essentially a lot of it is the same things over and over again so after four years um I felt like I was missing something. I was like, I've got this dream job and I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? Um, And so I decided to retrain. So I went back to uni to um, do an MBA with a focus on sustainability for businesses. Wow. Yeah, it's a big change. and it was amazing. It was the best thing I could have ever done. It was such an amazing course. I met amazing people. Um, and all of my work now is really related to sustainability and environment. Um, and I'm very fortunate for that. But um, yeah, and while I was doing that, I also um, trained as a climbing instructor. So I was also teaching climbing. Um, I'm working with kids, which I just love because they're just so much more uh creative sometimes they're a nightmare yeah I work with kids yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there's like there's the well you know there's that balance right it's like um so much joy Mm -hmm. and creativity and fun and I was very lucky because when you're teaching kids climbing the majority of the time they want to be there it's something fun that they can do it's active they've got kind of like an expression for what they're doing but um oh my god sometimes (laughs) <laughs> Several birthday parties in a row was not my favourite. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did that. And um, then I came out of doing that. And at the same time, actually, because I know we're talking specifically about creativity in here too. So over the years, me and my mum have always gone and done craft courses. It's been like our thing. Yeah. So um we did silversmithing, um, bookbinding, calligraphy. calligraphy. Um, we did leatherworking. Wow. Um, yeah, so many things. And uh, I've always wanted to be able to draw, like since I was really young, but I was terrible at art at school, <laughs> like so bad at it. And my mum always says that I was always better at the craft things, like the building things mm-hmm. out of clay or as kids, we would do a lot of that. We'd go to like the local craft centre and we'd make like things. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's terrible at art at school. And I basically um, pitched to her that we did painting as our next course she was not that into that idea (laughs) but she went with it she was like okay sure maybe we'll do like one term and let's just see how it goes 
Um, and I did it and we ended up um, going to our class, our weekly class, basically until the start of the pandemic. So that went on for quite a few years over a period of a few years. And I started to basically start pushing around this idea of like, how am I going to use art to communicate things? And um, I was trying to progress too quickly. I was trying to trying to do it backwards Mm -hmm. it's like what do I want my art to say and how do I want it to form before I really knew how to do Mm. do art Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is like I think is probably a it's something to do with how my brain works because I was immediately like how do I make this a thing when actually I can relate to that (laughs) yeah it's it is one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's like, actually, I should should just be going with it. I shouldn't yeah. be trying to like force myself into a box of how I think. Anyway, um, but I started. I came out of my MBA and I did some sustainability consultancy, and I was still writing, but on and off, um, freelance work mostly, and then. I started working for this organization called X Expedition and uh, we do all women sailing trips, looking at plastics and toxics in the ocean all over the world. Wow. Um, yeah, I still work for them now. I work for them two days a week. Um, but when COVID happened, or when the first bit of COVID, first wave of COVID happened, we were sailing around the world not me personally because I worked as operations manager and I couldn't I had to be on land to to do all the things I needed to do but we were eight voyages in um and it was hectic it was so hard I was working really really long days we had a really small team there was a lot of stuff to do it's an amazing project but I was didn't realize at the time but I was pretty much in burnout yeah um and then COVID happened and then my life continued to be hectic for the next uh, two, three weeks because we still had crew members on our boat um, and our crew members are multidisciplinary. They're also multinational. So we had to repatriate seven different nationalities. Oh um, yeah, it was very, it was very hectic and, and very, yeah. Anyway, um, then <laughs> we stopped sailing and life kind of like slowed right down and I suddenly realized that a I don't like working that hard Mm. (laughs) um which you don't realize when you're in it I don't think and b that I wanted to do things that made me happy And during the period of time where I was doing that work, I was working such long hours. I was doing so much stuff that I wasn't doing anything creative really at all. And I would go to, I would go to my art class, but that would be the only time I'd create because I'd set aside that time. And I wasn't really doing much writing. Um, so I thought, what do I want to do? And I was like, you know what? I just want to write and I want to write for me. I don't want to write for publications. I feel like I've lost my voice. So I kind of relaunched my blog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And um, that was the, probably the best decision I could have done. And I wrote for, I wrote very regularly, every day, every other day, um, about sustainability, mindful travel, environment. I reported on things that kind of were going on that I'd seen. Um, I wrote a whole load around different things when Black Lives Matter happened, a lot around helping people understand what the why Black Lives Matter was so important, but also how it applied specifically in the UK because we were getting taken over quite a lot by US um, news and information. Um, and I was very fortunate, I feel really awkward talking about this, but I was very fortunate in that actually I, after several months of doing this, um I was approached by Lonely Planet who told me that they'd shortlisted me um for their sustainable storyteller award which blew my mind <laughs> I was just a bit like yeah sure okay clearly they're just trying to make up the numbers on their shortlist but yeah, yeah I'll go with it <laughs> did you even know because I saw that did you even know that you were on their radar no oh wow no that's so cool yeah it was mad and so like my because I felt like so I I went on and I did all the things they asked me to do I had to send videos and photos and do an interview and all of those things and I won wow well it's like one I didn't apply so I didn't really <laughs> win I just yeah so um so yeah, and that was mad. I just couldn't believe it. And so like, I felt like such a fraud, <laughs> like a fake travel writer, <laughs> because although I just felt like I'd, I'd really given myself to writing truly as myself, which was amazing um, to be recognized for that, like writing that was just for me. I hadn't tried to, I hadn't gone out there trying to win anything. I wasn't trying to write for anyone else. I was just trying to write in the way that I wanted to, to refine my voice, mm. to do that process and then be recognized for it. It was just mind blowing. Um, so yeah, and that gave me a lot of confidence back because I'd lost my confidence over the last like, probably year or so um, before that. I think just being so busy all the time and feeling like I was in a role that didn't really suit me. I was good at it. Mm. I'm good at organizing things I've made myself good at it but it's not my natural state um so yeah so that was super exciting and I was still doing like my artwork and um doing a bit of that as well and um in this process in this crazy process of like how my life seems to work I'd also launched uh my non-profit mm. <laughs> which is its whole own story <laughs> mm. so yeah that's amazing I was just thinking how powerful it is that and and a kind of lesson for fellow writers including myself about finding your voice and that being the thing your your personal voice being the thing that opens these doors not having to try and be anything else not having to try and tick any boxes just you just speaking in the way that you want to speak because something 
I've been struggling with recently, I've just finished a, a writing course, as in being the student, because I've done so much teaching in my life, mm. I've wanted to be the student for a while, and probably will continue to be a student. Um, and that is something I've struggled with really a lot in the last few months that I didn't even really know I was struggling with this like find like well what is my voice what do I want to say how can how do I want to say it and I love that you got to that point and you just because like you say like writing for a magazine is pretty much a dream job Mm. but it's not you know the creative sort of you know wonderful open thing that we maybe think it is and I just love the fact that you just went for it. And that was the thing that opened doors for you. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I mean, it's been a journey. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is at the beginning, it was really hard because I actually, like you say, there's something off. I think that's the, I think that's the trigger for us right when you're a writer or any sort of creative it's the same way that I still feel a bit about my artwork there's something off and you can't put your finger on what the thing is and the only way to work through it is to do more of it yes yeah but doing more of it brings more of this like oh I still don't like it's still just not right um And I, the only way that I could do it to get me where I needed to be was to take all the pressure off. Like I didn't expect anything from my blog. I didn't even expect anyone to read it. Um, I just went all in on it. I was like, you know what? I am a writer. Even if I just write all of these things just for myself, it's going to improve my writing. Mm. And putting it out in the world will remind people that I am a writer, which is really funny, but people don't think of me as being a writer. Even now they don't think of me as being a writer or or a horse person either, which I think is hilarious because I do so many other things that are a bit more visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm like, don't forget I'm a writer, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah it was a whole process and it was clunky and horrible really horrible at the beginning and I hated every second of it but I'd committed to doing it and um me and a friend we started a um an accountability group actually I love that yeah and we had a group of us who I went on a writer's retreat just before the pandemic in 2019 and uh there were a group of us from that who all wanted to write more. And so we set up an accountability group and we met weekly to discuss what we said we'd committed to the previous week <laughs> and all the different ways that we'd failed to reach the goal. Yeah. But even just saying it in front of people and hearing, because we all write very different things. Um, we have someone who uh, she does a lot of creative writing There's someone else who is an educator around environment. And so her content is all very like education based um, and a bit more factual. Um, One of my other friends runs an all women's community and her work is around that, but also around her personal travels. And then um, we have someone else who he writes uh, business like business blogs really short form business blogs um 
about different approaches and so yeah we all came at it from different ways different angles and Mm -hmm. I think that's kept it exciting if we were all writing the same thing and had the same commitments I think in terms of saying hey next week so I'd say right next week I'm going to write two blogs one of them is going to be about this and put that out into the world Mm -hmm. um whereas for other people it might be well I actually just want to rework my website before I do anything else or I want to do or I want to do another chapter or yeah it made a difference it kept us going Mm. um so yeah I was just thinking you know you were talking about writing about sustainability and I was going to ask you about you know what sustainability means to you but I feel like that's so much part of it as well is like you know avoiding that writer's burnout of like you say because I I know I feel that like it's just clunky and it's hard and I hate this process why am I even writing like it's so like everything Mm -hmm. I write is rubbish and but having that supportive group of people who can because that's what I found with the course I've just done is people who can give that more of an object even if they're supporting you so they're Mm -hmm. subjective in that sense they're still objective in saying like stop dragging yourself down like (laughs) you know you're doing well yeah keep going that sort of thing it's yeah that's that's part of that power I think of it's not just about keeping going and your voice it's about having people to cheerlead for you yeah and also sometimes just say me too yeah 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 (laughs) it's like it's I think it's increasingly important to have people there when you have those moments where you feel like as you say why am I a writer Mm. why do I think I'm a writer like how can I say that I'm a writer when I haven't written in however long or when everything feels hard or when I'm not writing what I want to write Mm. and then just having someone else saying I don't feel like a writer either Mm. (laughs) when you know I think we're always kinder to other people than ourselves definitely yeah so then when somebody says that back to you you're like but that's ridiculous of course you're a writer (laughs) (laughs) then you kind of go oh hang on (laughs) yeah yeah it's so true yeah like (laughs) this doesn't apply to me I'm saying you're a writer I'm not this doesn't apply to you sorry Mm. you're a writer I'm Mm. not yeah yeah it's very easy to be our worst enemies um so I because you kind of you know you talked a bit about your writing and and the idea of sustainability and I was just thinking as well about because you know we talk a lot about nature and the part that creativity can play in our interactions with nature Mm. And I wondered, kind of just kind of going down that avenue of thought, initially, like, do you have any early memories of nature that really brought, because your writing is, and what you do is so focused on the outdoors and encountering nature, is there anything that kind of sparked that for you, that you can think of? I don't know if anything specific I think I used to read a lot of pony books (laughs) and one of the um one of the major things about pony books is they're all about adventure Mm -hmm. and the outdoors and being in nature 
with your horse in lots of different ways whether that's um you know the anglo-arab that's released out onto the moors or it's the being at the riding school but escaping on like a picnic ride or any of those things um yeah I've just always I've always been drawn to adventure but I think pony books are what gave me I remember reading the um saddle club books about oh, tapping the trees my sister used to read saddle club yes and they used to go and do things like they'd tap the trees for like maple syrup and stuff it was just it was and I think of it now and I still could visualize it in my head that those experiences and then I was also spending time outside in woods in you know walks going to the beach um it's very fortunate to spend a lot of my childhood being able to get outside because I lived in a town but really like quite close to outdoor spaces and you know my mum and my grandparents love their gardens and so it's always in the garden um it's a very common thing in my family to talk about the like oh isn't that a nice tree Or like, look how beautiful that flower is. And then have like a conversation about what type of flower it is. I'm also not very good at identifying plants. No. Um, luckily, there's an app for that these yeah. days. <laughs> that it. That's what I do as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't think there's like a specific moment. I think I just... I. I haven't been walking recently like I was walking every day and I haven't been walking recently because I lost my dog and I find it really hard because all the local walks remind me of walking him but the two three walks that I've done I just was blown away you know like I just walked outside I was like god I've forgotten how vast the sky is yeah or like how beautiful all these different types of leaves are or like how the light is falling in different ways and it just like yeah I don't know nature blows my mind and has that or in what ways has that influenced your writing because Mm. you know as you know you sort of talked about the the type of topics that you write about how has that you know um translated itself onto the page and how does it influence your words and maybe also how do your or does your creativity influence the way in which you see nature and encounter nature as a creative person Mm, that's a great question I think I mean obviously in a really obvious way it affects the subjects that I write about I mean, pretty much everything that I write about is around uh, mindful travel, environment, nature, conservation, and then in a broader sense, um, diversity, access to the outdoors, the benefits of nature and being near water as well. Mm. Um, All of those things. So from a subject point of view, it's pretty obvious. I Mm. think in terms of the way I write, I um, and actually I'm still think, like I say, like, I don't think Lonely Planet giving me an award made me go, oh, I found my voice. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm still, like all of us, working on it. 
and where I lean quite heavily is into like using words that relate to touching and feeling and nature in a more very like descriptive way Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that a lot of my writing that is out there in the world um necessarily represents that because that is a very specific way of communicating Mm -hmm. that I think resonates with uh definitely resonates with a group of people like it resonates with me but some of the things I'm talking about are things that I need more people to read (laughs) yeah I understand that yeah and so I was very fortunate I got to um I was commissioned to write a piece for a Patagonia publication a zine and that was one of the first times that I've actually had something published by somebody else that was very how I would love to write like just very touching on the magical which is something which I really want to do more as well with my artwork like that nature is magic and the way we connect with it is magic and I just was able to write in so much more of a descriptive way um and the feedback I got from it was really great actually which was nice because and it didn't take me very long to write either but it just felt very different to the work that I've been doing recently and made me realize I did this whole series, well, started doing this series about walking the Southwest Coast path. Mm. And it was in this period of basically, um, I got the, got the award and then felt like a complete fraud as a travel writer and then really struggled to, I was like, oh, what would a travel writer write? <laughs> doing absolutely the opposite of what I should have done. Um, because that wasn't what I was given it for Mm. and so then I started writing these southwest coast path articles I had been writing them before but very factual Mm -hmm. and very like here's this is what you'll see and this is what the elevation's like and this is what it's like and I you know what (laughs) I know that some people will have found those useful um but they don't bring me any joy Mm. I want to and the ones that I'm going to do moving forward are going to be more storytelling Mm. other people are great at the practical stuff and I'm not really in my writing anyway not really that great at the practical stuff because I just don't care that much about it (laughs) um so I'm not sure that answered your question. I went on a bit of a ramble. No, no, it's good. I was just thinking um, how I suppose that's part of finding one's voice is finding, (laughs) is like almost accepting what we're not so good at Mm. purely because we're not interested in that aspect of it. Like you say, like, and actually maybe the storytelling is, is a better medium for you in uh the kind of messages that you want to get out there because that it it touches on so many more things and yeah I don't think we should ever do anything that we're I think there's so much pressure as well to like write in a certain way or be a certain way or think a certain way as a creative not even just as just as a creative like you have to be a particular sort of person and think in a particular sort of way and actually like you say sometimes 
like you know it's really lovely knowing that that's an oxide daisy but it doesn't necessarily it doesn't change the way I see that daisy it doesn't you know and I think that's accepting that you know that part of yourself that doesn't like certain things and does like certain <laughs> things and but isn't that also the whole point of creativity I mm. think like if you can look it up mm. and it's a fact and it's just there in front of you then that almost takes the creativity away that's so true yeah it's us and how we see it that bring like that's what we bring to artwork or bring to writing is the way that we relate to the thing it's not about the exactness of what it is unless that's what you do like if that is your thing if you're a researcher if you are somebody who documents plants if you are somebody who does all of those things then um people are relying on you for information like amazing like you do an amazing job and what they do informs what I do and what you do and what we all do in terms of relating to the to whatever the thing is whether it's a flower or a river or the ocean or any of those things but that's not to me is not the point of writing and I think it took me a really long time to get there because actually when you're writing for example for a magazine that is the point yeah yeah (laughs) you have to be factual and you have to know what you're talking about and you have to be able to present it in a way that lots of other people are going to understand um you're writing for a mass market essentially and that's amazing too like not to take away from my time of writing at Horse and Rider because I learned so much and my writing is definitely better mm. from going through that process and having critical people look at it and tell me you know how I could make it better and shape it and form it in a way that was going to work better for the audience and tell stories better and yeah it definitely improved my writing but just doing that like I started working there and I stopped blogging almost immediately because I was writing all day and therefore I didn't want to be writing in the evenings Mm. um made me into a article writing robot (laughs) (laughs) so bringing some of that and then bringing some of yourself um yeah I think you need both I mean there's that old thing isn't there all the time that you need to know the rules before you can start breaking them that's so Um, true so I think and that's my problem with art in terms of painting for example and drawing is that I never did any sort of classical training so I didn't I was already like trying to break the rules before I knew even what the rules were (laughs) yeah yeah I was just thinking as you were speaking that like when you were saying about um almost like moving out of the box Mm. and I I started thinking about my students and I was thinking about like in education you know we're learning to write for an exam yes we have we do the creative aspect of it and even in art you know you're learning all these techniques so that you can tick these boxes then we go to uni if you go to uni and you're doing the same thing and even Mm. if you go to work and do the you know there's so many of these boxes and I feel like you know we've talked a lot about finding one's voice like 
so much of that is about realizing that we're in a box mm. that our words or our pictures or whatever it is has been inside this box and then when we go like that and push the sides away we then go oh my god I don't know now I'm rubbish now I'm this because I don't know you know what my voice is because it's always been so constrained that when we get rid of those constraints that's when the fear and the trepidation comes in because all of a sudden it's just us mm. you know? mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's madness really it's kind of the it's the discomfort like I don't agree with the idea that we should always be like out of our comfort zones Mm. but I think there is the initial discomfort with change and unknown and play Mm -hmm. and I think what we've kind of lost a bit sight of and I definitely have and still do lose sight of is this idea that you're not going to be good at it like Mm. the world tells us now that (laughs) you're good at it immediately Mm. and you look at artwork for example on Instagram and everyone's artwork is beautiful and perfect Mm. and amazing but if you are fortunate enough to be able to go to an art class for example you see all the stages of everyone's art being awful like it just is like 90% of the time through that process there is like, there's always going to be things that you're like, oh, and somebody said something really interesting to me once, which I have really taken on board, which is we don't appreciate our own creative work because we can make it. That's why we like other people's. And that's also why other people like ours. Yeah. Because they can't make what we can make, but because we can make our thing, we're yeah. like, oh, no big I, deal. I want to make that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and for example, I'm not a, and my art teacher has got this down to an absolute like thing with me. I really appreciate not like hyper realism, although I do appreciate that as a skill, like that's insane. But like, I really like really, really detailed, um, like ink drawings. Like Mm. I love really detailed ink drawings, right? Mm. And um, I was talking to him about it and I was like, maybe, maybe I just need to do more. And he said to me, you are not that person. You are not patient enough. Like he'd watch me working enough to know that I cannot spend like, six months working on a really really detailed ink drawing I would get bored halfway through and he was just like it's fine though you don't need to be that person you can still appreciate that type of art yeah but that just isn't necessarily going to be your thing like just like be a bit more free about it and don't worry about it so much But yeah, it was re- it was quite funny because I was like, you're right, I'm not that person. I'm very impatient. I just... <laughs> That's also quite liberating, right? Mm. Like, okay, I don't need to worry about trying to do that anymore. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And also he recognised something in me, which is that I can be very focused and I will work on things for a long period of time. But doing like... Um, the same like some people do the same sketch over and over again and get really really good at it I can only do that about 
three times before I'm like I don't want to do art anymore it's boring (laughs) (laughs) um so I think I think there's something in there about firstly learning what your thing is Mm -hmm. like and that I think we're all developing all the time like we do different things and we work through different things but also (laughs) just uh yeah as you say maybe just not worrying about it letting go more Mm. and I for me a big thing was I've kind of sidelined art into right now anyway into something that I don't want to make money from in the same way that I did when I started blogging I was like this type of writing I don't people might hate it but it's important to me to find it yeah um and when I took that pressure off of making it something that paid then I was able to be at my most creative and that is what I'm now trying to do a bit more with my artwork is just be like doesn't matter let's just play and see what happens Mm. I can relate so much of what you just said I think that pressure of like yeah just like don't worry like you're not going to make money from this just Mm -hmm enjoy do it as a hobby hobbies are good yes these are what we need (laughs) exactly exactly and like taking the pressure just taking the pressure completely off like I'm still like I talk I'm I'm talking a really good game here (laughs) (laughs) don't we all (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm not that great at it um but especially because I do I don't have a huge amount of time like I am very very busy so being able to um try to prioritize like creative time for the sake of creativity rather than for the sake of like making money is hard (laughs) it's really really hard um but I think the more I know myself and the more I reflect, the more important I realise it is for me in the same way that spending time in nature is really important to me. Yeah. Um, and without having those things, I am a, not a very happy person. <laughs> that leads us quite nicely onto, I would really love to hear about your work on all the elements. Mm, yeah, so all the elements is a community interest company And we are a network, an amazing network of all these activists and change makers and leaders who are working to increase diversity in the outdoors across all of the different diversity areas. So that might be race and religion. It could be sexuality and gender identity, invisible and visible disabilities, age, body type. Basically, everyone who is underrepresented within the mainstream outdoor narrative. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all doing such amazing projects. It really just gets me so excited. Um, and so we do lots of things, but I won't go too, too much into that. But uh, some of what we do is amplification of the work that the groups do. And actually, we just put a call out because I would love to do it all myself. <laughs> but I don't have time um and also I don't think so this is this is not I was going to say it's controversial but it shouldn't be controversial 
and it kind of ties into what I was saying about all of us bringing our own things to the writing or to the creativity. But we just did a call out for volunteers to produce content for us um, and hopefully uh, further forward if we can kind of like show the value and why people like hearing other people's stories then we'll be able to get a funding stream for it so that I can pay people because that would be the ideal um but it's really important to hear different people's voices and perspectives and we don't really like I feel like there's like a spectrum of like mainstream mm-hmm. at one end I realized I was doing that with my hands and that's not possible to see it um but mainstream at one end and then like eccentric abstract Mm -hmm. at the other end right and if you don't fall into either of those categories like if you're not wacky enough Mm. or you're not mainstream enough then your voice kind of gets lost in the middle yes that's so true yeah and it's not it's it's missing the point that Mm. there's like all this nuance and actually the way that one person from a particular background or lived experiences explains something is not going to be necessarily wacky, but is going to change the way that the perception of the thing they're talking about mm-hmm. is received or seen. Um, and so that's something that we just want to go further down that route. Like It's important to hear lots of different voices talking about what is important to them within outdoor spaces um and it's not just about it will be about talking about challenges and it will be about talking about works that groups are doing but it's not just about that it's also this idea again that I can look at a flower and you can look at a flower and we can see two completely different things Mm -hmm. based on our lived experiences and the way that we view the world and our personalities and all of those things that like bring this together um so yeah so I'm I'm really excited about it uh I'm excited to have more than just and I really haven't had that much time to write directly for my organization like I have someone who helps with social media and all of those sorts of things but I've been doing a lot of work interviewing members of the community for other publications and doing different things in that way but I would love it to become a platform. It's something that has been on the cards from the very beginning. And actually I was talking to another amazing artist and writer, Sherry Mack, about this very early on. About oh, it being was, something She was on the people. podcast. Ah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. She is an amazing human being. Um, and so we were having a conversation about a version of this, which is actually even more um to the side a journal which is essentially platforming work from underrepresented voices but not putting why they're underrepresented next to the work if that makes sense oh I love that so if they want to yeah if you want to show it through your writing or through your artwork or your sculpture sure do it you don't have to Mm. it's about the work yeah rather than because there's so many um examples of where you only get a foothold because you're talking about something traumatic or difficult or controversial within like inverted commas um 
and you just don't get the opportunities or the space to talk about the work to do work within some of the like just I just want to talk about nature I don't want to have to talk about diversity in nature yeah and why should I not be able to do that but because of systemic bias and the way the systems work like there is there's a whole there's loads of reasons why people from different underrepresented groups don't get their work mm-hmm. seen in the same way yeah so yeah that sounds like such an incredible project and I love I love what you say about like people not having to share because I'm always very aware of like if someone doesn't want to talk about something or Mm -hmm. from a particular you know from a like a an expected perspective or a perspective an expected narrative Mm -hmm. they shouldn't have to talk about like people talk about what they want to talk about and what they feel comfortable with and I'm always very I've often thought no one else gets to decide what that is Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so I love the fact that you're you're creating that space where people can just be this is my artwork and this is from me and it doesn't matter which which box you put me in or which box I put myself in this is just the this is the art Mm. yeah it's exciting it's something though that I need to I'm working on from a practical point of view working on getting overall funding for the nonprofit, which then means that I'll be able to have a team which is like part-time team which then means I won't have to spend all of my life in my emails which then (laughs) means that I can start like doing some of these really exciting projects because same as everything all the time um the creative outputs always come last Mm, yeah we are prioritizing it and we share other people's stories and we do that but from my point of view as somebody who is running the organization um I can't be the writer yeah I can get other people in to do the writing which is amazing and is probably better anyway because they get to tell their stories in the way they want to tell them Mm. um but I have to do the accounts and the (laughs) the emails and the editing of the website and like all of that stuff first (laughs) yeah and and also I think it's like because I know for myself I can be very much like finger in every pie Mm. you know and actually sometimes you can do better by just taking out your finger from (laughs) the pies you know (laughs) there's there's definitely two ways to think of that though because I've always um been told that I do too many things I do too many different things and um it's been like a repeating narrative and I now am okay with it Mm. And it's fine to do lots of different things. People want to put you in boxes and it's okay to do as many different things. And also the other thing, if we're talking from a creativity point of view, it's okay to do lots of things and do them badly. Yes. That's fine. As long as you're having fun and you're getting something from it, like it doesn't matter. You don't have to spend all of your creative time learning like I was just saying learning how to do like really good perspective line drawings that Mm -hmm. are going to take you don't need to do that if you want to just build something out of clay like build it out of clay I'm currently learning how to make pottery and wow it is yeah it's it's an amazing process and I love it but I'm terrible at it like it's I'm so bad at it and I get back these pots and things that are just so wonky and 
<laughs> and the glaze isn't quite right but it doesn't matter because the whole process is amazing and so I think it's okay to do lots of different things I think the issue is when you become so stretched mm. that you don't enjoy any of the things that you're doing yes and then it starts to take a toll on your mental health like that is when you need to start looking at the balance of being like okay <laughs> maybe right now but then don't dump all the boring thing no no that's what I was gonna say don't but dump all the fun things yeah when trying to like bring it back within the line of what you can achieve you need to dump some of the boring things <laughs> yes oh, I love that yeah I need to do more of that you. <laughs> um so I've got uh well two more questions before we finish is that okay yeah that's fine um so the first one, uh, and these are questions that I ask everyone. So what have you learned on your journey that you would like to share with others? Mm. What would I, what have I learned on my journey that I would like to share with others? I have learned that the most fun that I get personally um, is often from being a beginner. Mm. and that period of time of like when you're learning so much so quickly Mm. and I am notorious for learning things really really quickly and then like dumping them I am trying to be better at that maybe that's the learning but (laughs) I really love being a beginner and everything everything you do that you learn um brings something else to something else that you do and I think that is the thing that I is my biggest learning is all of everything you do feeds into the next thing it might not look obvious as to why but it all does feed in Mm. Mm. like building blocks yes Um, And then the last one is, what's your hope for the future? And you can take that in any direction that you wish. (laughs) I have so many answers to this question. (laughs) I... I mean, I'm a large scale sustainability social enterprise social impact person and so quite often this answer goes down the sustainability route Mm -hmm. but I think my hope for the future would be that we can improve access for as many people as possible to nature and the environment because that just has the impact on all of the things. Mm. Access to nature makes you more creative because I mean, studies show it does, but also just because you can 
see this amazing, these amazing things around you and you can see how things can be different and innovate and change and react. And I think that's amazing, but also it has benefits on your mental health, quite often has benefits on your physical health. Um, It also means that you're more likely to get people engaged with protecting it, Mm. which is then bringing us into kind of like the bigger picture of what we're doing to the planet. So I think improving access and enabling the people who are doing that work yeah that would be my vision because I just think the impacts of that it would be really easy to say oh save the planet (laughs) but I don't yeah I don't think it's practical enough I think if you're going to have a vision you need to tell people like the route Mm. tell them how to get there or how you want mm. to exactly like this is and and there's loads of different ways to get there there are loads of different ways to get there I think that as long as we're all working on our own way and this is where it pays to not be scattered so yes. <laughs> the one time that it pays to not be scattered and not do lots of things is when you're choosing the things that you're passionate about and the way that you would so it's almost like values it's and by choosing one thing and not mentioning something else doesn't mean that you don't care about that other thing like obviously for example I care about like child exploitation right but that wouldn't be in my top three things of the things that I'm working on and where I'm creating change like just because you choose three things doesn't mean you don't care about the other things and I think people get very caught up in that yes and if we choose our three things or two things or one thing and we do all of our things channeling towards that purpose you have to trust that someone else is working on child exploitation or you know human trafficking or like any of the ocean conservation any of those different things whales shark finning I like I just say like now this is getting depressing isn't it great no, way to interview. no but like, you bring up such a good point and this is something that I know that I deal with and a lot of people do all the time like I have I think I put in the stuff that I sent to you about myself I have this conservation group this community group we're trying to protect this space there's all the campaigning around that and then I look at all of the other things in the world like and I also do stuff with parents for future and I got to the point where I was like even within those things, like the community group is, that's the thing that takes up most of my time. The Parents for Future stuff, I do one little thing in that. I I have to rein myself back in because otherwise, like you say, it's so easy for everything. And you just think, well, I'm not doing that and I'm not doing that. And oh my God, what about like the whales or the show? You know, and then it just becomes this, you end up doing nothing because you get so crippled by it all. Mm-hmm. And I love what you're saying about just focus on the things that you know you can do and just trust because there will always be. It's like when my kids say to me like, oh, but this is happening and that's happening. I'm like, there will be someone working really, really hard mm-hmm. to make that happen or to stop that from happening. And I love that. Yeah, it's just such a good reminder. 
Yeah, and it stops us all going insane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it only works if you do choose it, if you choose a thing. So like you yes. say, you have you have your projects that you're working on. Like that that theory only works if we all choose something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it yeah, it's like find your thing. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be your thing forever. Yeah. Choose what you feel most passionate about right now and just roll with it. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've absolutely loved this conversation. This has just been so nice to sit and chat. And if I could like write a list of all the things the podcast is, this conversation is like, you know, like create, you would just, just, yeah. I've just loved hearing about your stories and your experiences and what you're doing. It's hugely inspiring and everything you say about writing and creativity I'm just listening going yep yeah I can yep yep (laughs) it's so nice it's so nice to be able to talk about it because it's very unusual to or at least in my experience it's really unusual to be interviewed in a way where you can talk about creativity in such depth and the way it connects to nature and how those things happen so thank you for thank you for creating this space oh you are welcome um it's very strange when people say it. it's like oh okay <laughs> it's felt like it's probably like what you do it's like well it just felt like the most natural thing to do so you know, <laughs> funny um so where can people find you internet in social media all of the things um so you can find my website which is um sarea.earth and i am on instagram's probably my most active and educational channel <laughs> is Soraya Earth. My um, Twitter is a lot of me complaining about things, which is standard for Twitter, right? That's also yeah. Soraya Earth though. So <laughs> you can check that out. And um, we also have social media for all the elements, if anyone's interested in that. Um, and that's all the elements underscore on both Twitter and Instagram and all the elements.co is our website. Thank you. Thank you. And your words. (laughs) Joy. This has been so much fun. (laughs) 